Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. If you've not been to um, one of the chapel services, tonight would be a great uh, time to go. Dr. Ralph Enlow, who attends Gateway, will be the guest uh, preacher tonight. Uh, he's been leading our <clears throat> Thursday Bible study. And what you're going to discover, uh, he's a biblical scholar, but he knows how to communicate it. I've been around a lot of biblical scholars, and some of them, you know, they're talking way up here, and I feel like I'm way down there, and I can't understand a word they're saying. Well, Dr. Dr. Uh, Inlow is able to take, you know, the truth of scripture and bring it down to a level that uh, we can connect with and understand. And so I would encourage you to go to the chapel service at, at uh, six and you'll be blessed by the teaching of scripture. And then uh, we'll be starting back up our Thursday uh, Bible study uh, a week from Thursday. I think it's the 14th. And uh, we have a great lunch and then we just get in verse by verse in God's word. So I hope that you will think about being a part of that. Well, today, in starting this new year, I wanted to just kind of approach and deal with the idea of why am I not happy? Well, a lot of reasons. You know, we have had a lot of reasons revealed these past nine months and the challenge of that. And uh, it certainly brought out a lot of unhappiness in many of us. And, uh, but this, uh, it, it's deeper than that. Uh, this is something you people typically struggle with long before we ever heard about uh, coronavirus, the, uh, the COVID-19, whatever they call that thing. Um, but um, I, I think we have to go to the words of King Solomon. Uh, he, he dealt with this. He was looking for this thing called happiness and he discovered how elusive it was. Um, King, King Solomon, he lived about a thousand years before Jesus. His dad was King David and his mom with Bathsheba. Uh, now King David and Bathsheba, they had that first child, uh, which was totally wrong for the relationship they had. And it cost Uriah Bathsheba's husband's life. And that child died. So Solomon is the second child from that marriage because after Uriah died, David did take her in and he did marry her. Um, and so Solomon is that, is that child. He became king when he was 20 years old, was king for about 40 years. So he lived about 59 or 60 years old. And uh, God basically told him he could ask for anything he wanted. And Solomon asked for wisdom. Now, most people would have said, well, I'd like to win the lottery or I'd like to have this or that, but he asked for wisdom and God was so pleased with that, that he gave him that and said, Hey, you're going to be the wisest person to ever live, but I'm also going to give you everything else. And so Solomon, even with all of his wisdom and all of his stuff, he discovered that happiness was very elusive. And we get a lot of this from the writings of Ecclesiastes. You know, Ecclesiastes can be a little depressing reading it, but I'm so glad it's there because here you have the wisest guy that ever lived other than Jesus. And 
the guy who had more wealth than anybody. I mean, he, he was, all the other kings sought out his wisdom and they would pay him huge amounts of money to uh, have his counsel. And, and so Solomon was just extremely wealthy, had everything you could imagine. He's the one that got to build the temple of God. Uh, David was not allowed to build it, even though he wanted to, because he had been a king of war that was blood on his hands and uh, God was not going to allow him to be the one uh, to build it. But God did allow David to help get the money together that Solomon could use to build this temple. So we're going to read out of Ecclesiastes chapter two. So just getting a little mindset of where this is coming from. And we can begin to see ourselves in this. We're going to read verses one through 10. And later on, we're going to get into verse 11. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. You know, he, he's looking for all the things that could make you have meaning in life and happiness. He said, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. You know, whatever the, whatever the world defines as good, that's what we're going to chase after. But I found that this too was meaningless. You know, it's kind of like when a kid goes off to college for the first time. And they think about all the things that their parents had told them, now don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And so now they're away at college and they're kind of having to set their own rules. And one of the first temptations they have is to go do all those things they were told never to do just to see what they'd been missing out on. And you know the story, time and time again, their lives just have a major derailment and they have to drop out of school or they just get so messed up. They get so messed up with alcohol or drugs or relationships. I mean, we, we deal with this all the time. And, and so basically Solomon was coming along. He said, I'm going to go and see about all the things that the world says is pleasure. I'm going to check that out. And he said, it's meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. That's always a great solution, huh? <laughs> I mean, basically he was saying, I'm, I'm gonna try to forget my unhappiness by saying, well, wine will make me happy, but actually he was trying to forget his unhappiness. And while still seeking wisdom, you know, I'm still, that's still my main thing there. I clutched at foolishness. So if the wisest guy that ever lived would still chase after foolishness, it kind of makes me feel like I don't have a chance. <laughs> I mean, no wonder I can struggle. You know, the wisest guy, he didn't know any better. So we're, we're going to struggle with this stuff. Then he said, in this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. And he said a mouthful there. And he identified the fact, hey, compared to eternity, your brief time is, <laughs> it's really short. I mean, think about it. Solomon lived for 60 years, but he's now been in eternity over 3,000 years. Whoa, 3,000 years already? 
and he only lived for 60 years. I mean, our life is brief. And he said, so I'm going to see what people say would bring them happiness in this very brief life. Or am I going to focus on what brings me joy about eternity? He said, I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. Now, he had a lot of homes. Some have been excavated. He said, I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I, was, I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I, I collected great sums of silver and gold. This was money that was given to them. A lot of this came from taxes, but a lot of it came from kings who were coming to seek his advice. And uh, he said, I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, who had made many and, and had many beautiful concubines. That's a whole nother sermon right there. I had everything a man could desire. Well, that would be a true statement right there. I had everything a person could desire. So I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me. And my wisdom never failed me. The reason it didn't fail him is because it was a gift from God. God gave him that wisdom. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for my labors. Now, we're going to stop right there. And we're going to come back to verse 11 in a moment. Because we're going to see his end conclusion. So let me, let me just share a couple of thoughts about this whole idea of finding real happiness. I, I, I don't think you'll be happy until you do at least these three things. One is to break the connection between temporary pleasure and lasting happiness. Uh, That's one of the things Solomon discovered. And and until you break a connection between temporary pleasure and lasting happiness, then happiness is always going to be elusive for you. In Hebrews 11, it says, It was by faith that Moses, who had everything, he grew up in Pharaoh's home, He said, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he walked away from a life of privilege, never having to worry or want for anything. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. So he realized, Moses did, he had to break He had to make a break between temporary happiness and lasting happiness. These temporary pleasures that he was given, didn't earn it. It was just given to him. But he realized there was something far more, and that was who his real identity is, who he really is. And that was where he was going to find 
what really mattered. So you got to do the same thing. You've got to start breaking this connection between thinking that temporary pleasure is going to give you happiness. Because I want to tell you, it's not. It never will. In 1 Timothy 5, 6, it says, but the widow, and this would also apply to everybody else. This is a biblical principle. Who lives only for pleasure. Now, this is pretty strong words right here. Is spiritually dead even while she lives. So if you are living for pleasure, you're doing so at the expense of your spiritual life. It's deadened your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. It deadens your sensitivity to God's word. It deadens your sensitivity to God himself. That's what happens when you live a life only about satisfying you. Here's a second break you need to make. I must break the connection between what I do and who I am. I was listening to a podcast by uh, just a really great theologian and historian, and he made a statement that really got my attention. And he was talking about the culture of today and that one of the main things that's happening today and the whole purpose of the podcast was talking about how to reach people with the gospel today And one of the statements that he made was that our society now, and and especially the young crowd that's coming up, has a serious identity crisis. They don't know who they are. They're trying to figure it out. And I started paying attention to uh, the questions that were being asked of me and mentoring and counseling with people. And I was kind of caught off guard when I realized, man, that that guy was exactly right. I am being more, I'm being asked more and more questions about identity. I'm seeing more and more problems based on identity. I'm watching people who will go and experiment with things, trying to figure out if that's them or not. And they're going and they're experimenting with relationships, trying to decide if that's them, if that's their identity. And we're seeing a result of how society has tried to rob us of any identity. And therefore, people are looking for it. Especially this young generation, they're coming along and they're saying, I just, I got to figure out who I am. And, and that's what happens, you know, they, they leave home where it's safe and, and the rules are in place and stuff. And then they get out there on their own and they go through an identity crisis. And I want to tell you, age has nothing to do with this. I know people, long time in their relationship with God, will still go through moments of trying to figure out who they really are. Now let's look at verse 11 of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. But as I looked at everything, 
I had worked so hard to accomplish. It was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Wow. What a summary statement of the wisest guy who'd ever lived, who had literally everything, denied himself nothing, mansions everywhere, servants to satisfy him, concubines to satisfy him, never lacking for food or wondering where the food was gonna come from, literally had everything. And he says, it's meaningless like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. If you're going to find real happiness, you, you need to break that connection between what you do and who you are. Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus is the only one who offers you and gives you an identity. He gives it to you freely. Any other kind of identity you got to work for or earn or whatever, but Jesus gives you an identity that you don't earn, you don't deserve, you just receive it. Jesus is the only one that gives you an identity. It's who you are in Christ that gives you an identity. And that outlives however many years you have in this world, in this life. So Solomon, in his 60 years of seeking happiness, for the last 3,000 years, has been living in his identity in Christ. He finally met the real Solomon. And it's who Jesus says that you are that matters. And Jesus says, you are a child of God because of what I did for you. You have a place in heaven for eternity because of what I did for you. That's your identity in Christ. One last thing you need to break. You need to break a connection between your circumstances and your character. Listen to what Jesus said. What blessings await you? So there's great blessings waiting for you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. So Jesus is basically saying, if you choose to be a Christ follower, if you choose to be in me, it's gonna cost you something, but it's only temporarily. And you need to look at that and, and realize I'm a blessed person because of who I am in Christ. And Jesus is basically promising you, if you're going to be a Christ follower, people are going to hate you 
And people are going to, I mean, they're going to exclude you from things because it won't be fun if you're there. It's like whenever I do weddings, you know, I go to the reception for a little bit and then I leave. And the next day at church, people will start coming up and they say, hey, you shouldn't have left last night. It, it really got good after you left. And I said, exactly. <laughs> That's why I left. You couldn't have fun as long as I was there. Or at least you would have been a little more cautious, maybe. <laughs> You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I, I just, I don't want to be a hindrance, but, but here's the deal. You're going to be excluded from things because they know you might look unapprovingly to what they're choosing to do. I, I mean, if people are always asking you to some wild parties, that ought to bother you. That ought to be what bothers you, that they think you'd want to be there. So Jesus is saying, hey, because you follow me, guess what's going to happen? And you and I now live in an age where it's not so popular to be a Christian. I mean, you read the papers, you read the uh, different editorials. We're the bad people. I mean, you, you ought to hear the, uh, listen and read the disparaging remarks that are made about Christians, that we're the haters, we're the racists. We're the ones that reject people. We're the ones that put down people. I mean, totally misrepresentation of who we are. Uh, but we're hated and we're excluded and we're mocked and we're cursed as if we're the evil one. Uh, that's what's happening today. And Jesus said, hey, be happy. You're being blessed. So the next time you read an editorial that just really attacks Christians, just say, thank you, Jesus, for blessing me with this article because I belong to you. 1 Peter 3.14, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. God's got this. So you've got to break the connection between your circumstances and your character, who you really are. When it's all said and done, happiness is really an inside job. It's who you are in here the Holy Spirit in here, Jesus on the throne in here. That's where my happiness comes from. Uh, I'm going to go to Habakkuk. Uh, you don't go there too often, but there's some really strong statements that back up what we're talking about. Habakkuk 3, verses 17 and following, it says, even, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, and you could just go on and put in there, even though Chick-fil-A runs out of chicken, you could add all this stuff in here. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, in the God of my salvation. Now, that's a happiness that's an inside job. 
All this stuff happening out here. Habakkuk says, hey, all this stuff going on out here doesn't affect my happiness because my happiness is in here because of who I am in Jesus. The God of my salvation. That's where my joy comes from. That's where my happiness comes from. It doesn't matter what's happening out here. This is where the joy is. So how do you find real, hap- real happiness? Two quick things. Number one, receive God's forgiveness. That's got to be the first step. In Psalm 32, it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy or happiness for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. So receive God's forgiveness, and that's where you find happiness. There's joy in that. And secondly, submit to God's discipline and his way of life. Job in chapter 5 put it this way. But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. It's because he wants something better for you. He's showing that you belong to him. You know, when my kids were young and had kids over at the house, and if they misbehaved, I would discipline my kids but I wouldn't discipline my friend's kids. I would send them home and let the parents handle that on their own. God doesn't discipline those who do not belong to him. He, he judges them. But he doesn't, if you've never felt the disciplining hand of God, that ought to concern you. That's a red flag that says, maybe I'm not his. Jesus said in Luke, but even more blessed or happy are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. That's disciplining your life. Again, Proverbs eight thirty four: joyful or happy are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, <coughs> waiting for me outside my home. Are you waiting for the Lord? Are you looking for the Lord? Are you listening for the Lord? That's where you find real happiness. One last verse. Make me walk along the path of your commands. For that is where my happiness is found. Hmm. Walk along the pathway of God's commands that's where you're going to find real, lasting happiness. Let's pray.